0: All right, so first of all, the uh, the breakfast and learning this morning is being sponsored by the Raid of Mishpacha, the Rufo Shlema. What's the name again? Shein del Fara Vas Gittel. Shein del Fara Gittel. Only okay. good things. and del Fara Vas Gittel. Shein del Fara Vas Gittel. Only good things. Okay, so we are... Really, the 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 story that we're up to in Sefer Yeshua over here is to a certain degree... Um, mm-hmm. Really, the end of a of, of a major section of the entire sefer. We're really we're talking about the last great battle of Yeshua Benon to conquer Eretz Yisrael. So until until this point, uh, there's been he's been fighting individual cities, Yericho and Ai and other places. And then there was a, a grouping of five cities that got together to fight the the Gevaynim and and Yeshua nun fought them. Uh, more smaller things. The last thing we saw though is in Yud uh, Yudi al Bayys and so on is that there was this huge united front came out of like most of the city states in Eriskanan to fight against yeshuabanun and Yeshuabanun we saw that the, uh, the and this this is what sort of you know was the starting point of of, a, of the past uh, number of Shurim is that when Yeshubanun saw this vast army so uh, you know the natural thing would be. T- to be scared, to be afraid of that, and Hashemisbark told Yisshubunon not to be afraid, to go with confidence. It's going to be okay. So that's what we spoke about the past, uh, you know, few weeks or whatever it is the sugya of a soldier be- not not being allowed to be afraid, and that sugya. But we're moving past that now. And then the next part of the story is that Yisshubunon takes the chizik to heart, and he goes with his army to fight against this vast, vast, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, enemy enemy force. And and like Hashem promises, it's mamish nothing, you know, like, a, like a hot knife through butter, and the whole thing is a uh, is kamada joke. And that's how the that goes on, talking about city after city after city after city, that Yeshub is now able to easily conquer, all their forces are united, and they all fall before Yeshub And it goes like this Keseidr, and really paracute Aleph and paracute Bays. Is really listing a lot of these cities that Yeshua was able to conquer <coughs> after this major battle. Now, the Pusuk in Marmaka number one, you have a Pusuk over here. It's from Yud, Aleph, Pusuk Chav. So, this Pusuk <coughs> brings up the following question, which is like, what were the enemies thinking once they see Yeshua Benun is, uh, devastating their, their ranks? So, the Pusuk says that despite the fact that they are clearly losing, they never lost their. They're, they didn't retreat. They kept on just fighting and keep on, you know, it, it, almost as if they had no fear of Yeshub despite the fact that they kept on losing. So where was that coming from? The natural thing is that, that they should retreat, uh, regroup, uh, something. They, they just, they didn't do that. They just kept on like, you know, just uh, going into the battering ram of Yeshub So what's going on? So the uh, Pasuk, so the Pasuk in, in, in Marocan 1, in Pasuk Chav explains that it was all about brought this. It says in Pasuk, that this was, part of what Hashem wanted, that the Goyim should have this over-inflated inflate, over confidence in themselves and this lack of fear of Yeshu B'nun, that they should go into battle. In order that they should be destroyed. Because so the Rebun knew that Yeshua was going to win. He gave, he gave uh, you know, the bracha that he's going to win. And so we want to make sure that he has the opportunity to win by getting the enemies to attack him. So that's why Hashem Yisprach gave Gave, uh, you know, the Rabbanah Shalom sort of uh, gave this fearlessness to the enemy, not to make it hard on but fakir, to give Yeshua the opportunity to destroy the enemies, that they shouldn't go into hiding and gave them, and zachin, they should be out in the open like that. So that's what the Rabbanah Shalom did. He gave them uh, an overinflated confidence and a lack of fear against Yeshua to give Yeshua the opportunity to destroy them. In order that Yeshua which is an interesting point that the Pasik is making over here, is to avoid. What sometimes you see by Yidin, it's, a, it's a, you know, an unfortunate byproduct of a good thing, that Yidin by nature are and we have, we have mercy. So if the enemy would retreat, or they would go into hiding or whatever, wait to wave the white flag, even for a moment, the natural Rachmanis of the Yid would come out. And we would say, okay, you know, fine. And then what's going to happen? We know what would happen is that eventually it would regroup and it would be terrible for us. So in order to make sure there's no Rahmanis at all, that that Rachmanis isn't awakened, so Hashem made the enemy keep on attacking, that there's no, there's no Rachmanis. Ilman Hashmidam, in order that they should be destroyed, kasher which is what Hashem told Maisha, that they should all be eradicated, and this is how it worked. Okay, that's the, that's the passing. Now, with, like all things... Like all things, we have to see things not, you know, from in chitzayinus, but also in penimius. What we find is this interesting phenomenon, that in the process of conquering Eretz Yisrael, there was a certain fearlessness that the Rav placed in the hearts of the enemy. That's that's what the Pesach is telling us. Now that fearlessness, to be able to look Yeshua Benun, you know, and the armies of Yeshua Benun, without having any hesitation, without any interpretation, just being... Confident and, and having that uh, fearlessness in the face of Yeshua that's what you find. That was that was a hashpa. The Rebbeinu put that into Eretz Canaan at the time, and obviously the pasuk is explaining the simple reason in order to make sure that they should be destroyed by Yeshua Benun. But what we're going to learn now for the, for the next little bit is maybe a primistic inyan of why this energy, this inyan of fearlessness, this inyan of being able to look, you know, at Yeshua in the eyes without. The being overwhelmed by that, why that is Be'etzem in Eretz Yisrael So it's not only Ahashpah to facilitate the destruction of the enemies, but Be'etzem, it's something that is part and parcel with Kedusha Haaretz. You'll, you'll see what I mean. But in order to do this, let's, let's go a little bit uh, of a different way. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna learn together for the next few minutes what I think is an interesting Sogya, okay, in Halacha, and then from there we'll take it back We'll take it back. Now, it's related to the parsha we just, we just, uh, leaned. In Parsh's meat case, it says in Pasuk that the brothers come to Mitzrayim, right? And they see this king, this, uh, second to the king, whatever. They don't know it's Yosef, right? So it says in Pasuk, why don't they know it's they, They're looking at him, why don't they see it's Yosef? So it says in Pasuk, came later, they didn't recognize him. Rashi says from Chazal, why did they recognize him? Because when Yosef Tzadik left them, he was, what, seventeen. So, uh, a few hairs, but nothing, no major beard. Now, it's already years later, he has a beard. So he didn't recognize him, whereas he recognized them because they had beards already when, when, uh, when he left, uh, when he was sold. So, wh- what do you see from that? What you see from that is, is that when the brothers were standing before this king, they were looking at him in the face. They were looking in the face, and that's why the question is, why didn't they recognize him? The answer is, he had a beard. But you see, this Indians are looking into the face. So the question that we're going to be dealing with now for the next few minutes is that, that's so clearly for a non-Jewish king? Again, they thought this was a non-Jewish king. They didn't know it was Yisroel Tzadik. So clearly, by a non-Jewish king, you're allowed to look him in the face. The question is: Is that permitted for a Jewish king? Are you when you go to the king, comes and so on? Are you have an audience? If you have this with the with Mashiach, are you allowed to look him in the face? Okay, so it's like this. Take a look at. We'll, we'll start. We'll start the following way. And Mar number two. There's a mission of Mitzvah Sanhedrin. The Mishnah tells us there are certain scenarios where you're certainly not allowed to look at the king. What's a scenario where you're definitely not allowed to look at the king? So it says in the Mishnah like this, When the king is in, a, is in a, um, an undignified position or situation, then you're certainly not allowed to look, look at him. So it says the Mishnah, you're not allowed to look at the king when he's getting a haircut, his head, you know, his... His head is uncovered. He's, uh, it's not a bakavet But like Aram, certainly not when he's undressed. Like it's not when he's in the bathhouse. Shenemer, because it says in that you should place the king on top of you. In other words, that, the, that you should have fear and respect for the king. So this is number one. This is the starting point. The halacha says for sure that a, a, a situation where the king is undignified, then you're certainly not allowed to look and I don't look at him. That's why you know, there's even derivatives of this in Halakha l'maisa. A person's rabbi, you're not allowed to, you know, uh, you go to the merchats, uh, the mikvah, and so on with the person's rabbi and things like that. There are is like that. So but it's all coming from this idea. So when, when the king is, in, so that's number one for sure. Everyone agrees. Undignified situation, you're not allowed to look. On the other hand, a dignified situation, but just uh, regular. The king's eating breakfast. You know, he's eating. Uh, he's sitting down to eat breakfast and he's not, he's how he's dressed and everything's put together, then certainly you're allowed to look. Says Maramukah number three. So this is a Gemara in Sanhedrin on Chavbeis and Be'ez. What we saw before was a Mishnah on Chavbeis and An-Alaf. This is a Gemara in Chavbeis and Bebeis. It says the, 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 the Bresa, it's a Gemara, Melech mistapar bakol yom a king is supposed to take a haircut every single day. Shnemer, because it says in Pesach, Melech b'yalf yov techazenei necha, that you should see the king in his beauty. In other words, that pasuk that the Gemara is quoting indicates that you're, in the very least, allowed to see the king. Mm-hmm. And because you're allowed to see the king when he's walking around and he's, uh, I don't know, learning, he's taking a safe off the shelf, he's eating breakfast, whatever. So you want to make sure that you see him, that the king is presentable. So the luck is that the king has to take care of it every day, that he should be seen respectfully. So what we have so far is very, very straightforward. When he's in an undignified situation, you're not allowed to look. When he's just put together, but it's just a regular, you know, uh, average Tuesday afternoon. So then certainly you're allowed to look. And because you're allowed to look at the king, the king has to make sure that he's put together. But the question is the following. What about when he's sitting on his throne with the crown, the whole, you know, like a whole maimit of malchus? Then are you allowed to look? Are you then allowed to look? So again, when he's undignified, certainly no. When he's put together and he's presentable, but it's just a regular day, he's wearing his civilian clothes... Then the Nevada. And you should see the king in his beauty but the question is when he's sitting with his, uh, on his kisei of the throne and he's dealing with government stuff and he's wearing his crown you know when it's, uh, when it's during the, year, the, the hours of, of, of work you know what I mean he's on the job so are then you allowed to look you have an audience with the king you know what I mean so it's an audience like, are you allowed to look then why not oh, so we'll see so why not so take a look Maramukah number four so, a little bit of background to this: the the the, uh, the second parak of Meseches Chagiga begins with a famous mission. The mission says, "Ain Darshan and Maisim That the, the mission over there talks about secrets of Torah, Maisim Merkava, Kabbal and things like that are not allowed to be learned in public. They have to be studied privately, and even when you're teaching others, it has to be Ma'am Shalek. All different uh, halachas about how to teach of Torah. The last line of the Mishnah is a confusing one. So go, the Mishnah goes through Aindarshim, that my you can't teach in public, my merkov you can't teach in public, of you can't teach in public, all these things you can't teach in public. And the last line is, Kol kainai, anyone that doesn't have uh, honor that, that is disrespectful to the dignity, to the covet of Hashem, Royal it's kedai that he wasn't born. So what is that last line? If you if you to show well, whoever doesn't um, whoever doesn't I don't know what uh, the tie had touched that properly whoever doesn't whoever is not sensitive to the covered of the rabbanu shlolem it's it's better that he's not created what what is that line saying what, what's the context says so the gemara in Bavli seches take a look at our number before the gemara chagiga tezayin of kol shalech it's a little mistake. Right? A person that doesn't have the sensitivity to Hashem's covid it's good that he's not created. Ask the Gemara Chagiga, what does that mean? What are you talking about? What, is, what does that mean practically? So it says the Gemara like this, Rabbi Abba Omar, Rabbi Abba said, That's referring to someone who looks at a rainbow. You're not supposed to look at a rainbow. You look at a rainbow that's not being sensitive to Hashem's covid what is this talking about? So the Gemara explains. Darash Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Nachmani. That Rabbi Yehuda bar Nachmani said the following drasha. Matur Gomoni to This Rabbi Yehuda Nachmani was the translator, was the Gabay of Rishlokish, and he said the following thing. Kol Mestaka will Gimel Dvar. If a person looks and gazes upon three things, ain't of it, it 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 hurts the eyes. In other words, you're not supposed to look at these things. By looking at these things, it's disrespectful to Hashem when you look at these things. Why? So, what are these things? So, says Rabbi Yehuda Bernechmeni, Bekeshas, a rainbow, Bin Nasi, a king, Uba Kahanim, and Kahanim. What is this talking about? So, he explains Bekeshas. A rainbow, when you look at a rainbow, said Rabbi Yehuda Bernechmeni, is disrespectful to Hashem. Why? Because the rainbow is a symbol of Hashem's presence it says in Pasuk, that the image of a rainbow that's seen in a cloud on a rainy day, that's the that's a mushal to Hashem's presence, to Hashem's honor. So said said ibn by looking at a rainbow, it's as it, 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 it's it's as if you're looking at the shreena. You're not supposed to look at the shina. When the shina presents itself, you have to be you have to cover your eyes. Like Maisha Ben covers his eyes by the bush, right? So whenever you're in a position where there's something presenting itself, which is either metaphorically connected to Hashem's presence, or Hashem's presence is there, you're not allowed to look. You should not be looking. And if you look, it damages the eyes. So number one, the example is a rainbow. Not that the rainbow is holy, but it's a it's a, it's, it's a parable to Hashem's presence. Nasi said Rav Yudu Benachmeni, a king also, D'chsev, v'nasata maheidcha olav. It says in Pasuk that Hashem said to Maishu Rabbeinu that you will make Yeshua Benon the king, the next king, and I will take from your splendor and place it upon him. Now the splendor of Maishu Rabbeinu came from Hashem's presence on our Sinai. So what is it? It's in other words, what's going on in the Pasuk? That on the face of the king, is Hashem's glory. So that's why you're not allowed to look, because it's this, you're not you're not being sensitive to Hashem's covet by gazing upon the face of the king. And the final Allah, this That what does it mean to look at a qaim, not look at a kain. It means when the Beis micdash was around. al-Duchanim. And the Qahanim would be doching in the Beis Migdash, and they would say Hashem's name openly when they do so that was a moment of Gilu That was a moment of Hashem's presence residing on the Kahanim. You're not allowed to look. So says the Gemara, this is the meaning of that last line, the Mishnah. The last line of the Mishnah says the Gemara is unrelated to the previous halachas. The previous halachas in the Mishnah was not halachas about how to teach Kabbalah, Privately, publicly, the last line is hinting to a new idea, which is that whenever you're presented with, a, with, a, with, a, with, with something with something, which is... So to speak, a reflection of Hashem's uh, covid You're not allowed to look. And whoever is not sensitive to Hashem's covid it's better that you're not created. What are the three things that are the example of this? Again, a keshes, a melech, and uh, and the kahanim when they're dochening. Okay, so this, this is what you see. Before <coughs> gemara that what that you're now allowed to look at a king when he's ex- you know when he's ex- when he's an expression and he's exuding covid, COVID Shema shemaim covid malchus. So according to all of this, it comes out, there are three situations with a king. When he's undignified, that's certainly, it's a Mifurish mission. you're not allowed to look at the king. That's for sure, that's a violation of a positive mitzvah from the Torah, of the same you melech. You have to have aim and year from the king. By looking at him when he's undignified, that's a violation of an Isra, it's an isra. When he's put together, but he's not sitting in his royal, you know, matzav, that's fine. When he's sitting with his royal matzah with a crown and so on, and he's expressing the covered malchas, that's what the gemara says in Chagiga. That's that that, that we can't say there's a specific lav or a violation of a mitzvah, but that's being disrespectful to Hashem's presence. Ad that the Mishnah says that it's a, it's better that you're not created and will damage the eye. Says the gemara. That's the that's a Okay. The problem is that this is not quoted in the Rambam. The Rambam nowhere in Hilchas Malachim, the Laws of Kings, that he does he ever say such a halacha that you now let a look at the king in the face when he's uh, when he's sitting there malchus. Mm-hmm. If anything, the Rambam is mashma that there's no issue at all, and maybe adra maybe it's good to look at the king. Mm-hmm. Take a look at Maromak number five. It's the Rambam in Hilchas Malachim, perk Beis halacha Hey. The Rambam over here is talking about a halacha that we saw earlier on. It says it says the Rambam a king is supposed to take a haircut every day. and he's supposed to you know put himself together. wear beautiful clothing. So so far that's what he, we, we had this reference before that he should take a haircut every day. He should look presentable and so on. And the Rambam in the same context, in the same halacha, then says and he should be sitting on his throne. He should have a nice throne, a palter in Shalai, and a palace. You know, you should have all these things together. Umay some kesiv roishai. You should wear the crown. The a love and And this is the matzah that he should be in when people come to you know to, to to have their you know meetings and scheduling to see the king. This is the matzah he should be in. He should have a haircut. His clothing should be presentable. He should be sitting on a throne in a presentable palace setting with a crown on his head. That's the matzav he should be in, and that's how people should come in. V'ayim Mufana, people should stand before him, they bow down, and then they begin their yechivas. Now what's amazing is, first of all, the Ramam doesn't say anywhere in this halacha that they're now allowed to look him in the face. So just, he doesn't say that. That's number one. It's an open Gemara Mechagiga, he should mention this halacha. He doesn't. But number two, more than just not mentioning it, the, 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 the context of this halacha, the Ramam is, is describing the scene of where that pasuk of Melech B'yafyov T'chazen einecha is being fulfilled, that you should see the king in his beauty. And the Rambam is describing what that scene is. And he's not just describing the king, you know, uh, or eating breakfast. He's describing the king in his splendor and glory, with the crown sitting on the... On the and in that context, he's, he's applying the pasuk of So if anything, the Rambam seems to be indicating that not only is it not forbidden to see the king in his, in his full glory, Lekat chila, it's good. It's good to see when you go. You're fulfilling that 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 of Melch be'Yafiv de'Chazani Necha. So the problem is, is Mamish uh, ignoring an open gemar and the opposite of that gemar? Yeah. This may be naive, but I can see the opposite too. If you come to request something before the king, and you can down, round you're not looking through animals, and that's a little bit to too. So I can hear both sides of the argument. The problem is, Lamaisa, you do have this Gemara, which doesn't seem to... The Gemara doesn't give any caveats. The, the Gemara doesn't say, don't look at the face of the king, except if you're making a request. I hear what you're saying, but the problem is that in the Gemara, there's no indication of that. The Gemara just says a blank, it finished. And the Rambam, you know, he, the Rambam can have his own personal ideas, but at the end of the day, he's bound to what the Gemara seems to indicate in terms of halacha. So this is the problem. This is the problem. Okay, but it, it, it's more than that. Not only... So if you remember, the, the, the Gemara and Chagiga gave three examples of things you're not supposed to look at. One of them was the king, right? And the Rambam seems to be ignoring that. What's interesting is, is the Rambam also seems to ignore the other two. Nowhere in Mishnah Mishnatar does the Rambam ever say not to look at a rainbow. If anything, the Rambam seems to say not nah, like that. In the halachas of brachas, when the Rambam talks about the brachas that you make when you see a rainbow, he says, if you see a rainbow, you make a bracha. He should say, oh, by the way, but you're not really supposed to stare at it. He doesn't say that. So again, he just ignores that. And even the other halacha... Of what was the third thing not to look at? You're not supposed to look at the Kahanim when they're Duchening. And the Gemara said in the Beis HaMigdash, when they say Hashem's name, it's Mamish, you're not allowed to do that. The Rambam does quote the Halacha that you're not allowed to look at the Kaim when they're Duchening, but not for that reason. Take a look at Maramukha number six. The Rambam in Hilchestfilem is in Perak Yudalad Halacha Zayn. Says the Rambam, ain't other of You're not allowed to look at the face of the kohen. That's why the minigis that the khanim cover their face with the Talos, right? They all the way. So we do it also. So you, you're not allowed to look at the face of the kohen. on when they Says the Rambam, In order that you shouldn't cause any any disruption, and you shouldn't uh, stare the kavana. If they see you staring at them, you're staring at them. People are going to get. Uh, we want you to focus on the brachas focus on the broad, that's a very nice svarah. that's not the gemara said the gemara said it's because the Shekhinah that's that's present so listen so you can say just in bre- you could make the argument yeah the reason of the gemara for the Shekhinah, that was only by the times of the beis HaMikdash. and the Rambam is trying to give a reason for all time F- valid point but the rambam wrote his sefer for both the times of the beis HaMikdash and not so ram should make this point that when the beis HaMikdash is around it's a much more serious issue than just not having right kavana your mom is uh, it's disrespectful for Hashem, it's damaging your own eyes. And then he should say, even at the base of the Yiddish, you shouldn't look because you want to have, you want to be able to focus your attention, you shouldn't be distracted. And you shouldn't cause the kind to be distracted. The Ram just ignores, again, so all three things that the Gemara Chagiga said to explain that line of the Mishnah, that if, you, that, that if you're not sensitive to Hashem's covet, it's better that you're not created. And what does it mean not to be sensitive to Hashem's covet? It means looking at these three things, all these halachas the Ram ignores you Again, by, by the Keshas he doesn't say anything not to look at a rainbow. By Kahanim, he gives another reason why not to look at a coin. And by the king, he seems to indicate that it's a Gval de to look at the king. So what's going on over here? So the truth is the truth is, if you take a look at the Rambam in his commentary to Mishnah on the Mishnah, Taka the Rambam learns the Mishnah, not like the Gemara. Take a look at Mahamukah number seven. It does not answering the question yet, but it just gives you a little bit of where the Rambam is at least uh, consistent. The Rambam in his commentary to Mishnayis over there explains, see, what, what, what was the Gemara and Chagiga based off of? It was based off that last line of the Mishnah and Chagiga, and it was assuming that that last line of the Mishnah Chagiga is a standalone sentence. The previous lines of the Mishnah were talking about how to teach Kabbalah, and what, when you're allowed to teach, when you know how to teach, who's allowed to learn it, and so on. And the last line was a separate idea, which is that whoever doesn't is not sensitive to Hashem's kavod is better that he's not created. What is that? Talking about a completely new Indian of looking at things that, that you shouldn't, that you're not supposed to look at. The Rambam learns in his commentary to Mishnah. The, no, 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 no. That last line is going back and explaining the reason for all the previous halachas in that Mishnah. Do you know why you're not allowed to be learning Kabbalah of Do you know why you're not allowed to teach Kabbalah to people that aren't initiated? Because that's not being sensitive to Hashem's Kavit. It's not trying to introduce a new halacha that we've never heard of, not looking at a rainbow or whatever. No, it's coming to explain the previous halachas of what the Mishnah says. Take a look how the Ramam says it. V'omar says, says, says the Ramam, the Mishnah now gives us a line to quiet, you know, to sort of quiet the mind of an inquisitive person, someone who wants. To think about things that are godly, and he wants to, you know, he's a uh, what's what's the word? You know, uh, he's a curious. You know what I mean? And he wants to, you know, look in the svarim, in that you know the part of the svarim store that or uh, off limits to the. You know, what I mean? he wants to go there to to peruse those those shells. So f- for that person, so so you, in other words, so the Mishnah tells you you're not allowed to learn uh, teach Kabbalah, Ma'isim Kav, all these things you're not allowed to do in public. But then the Rambam says, but then the Mishnah is concerned. What about the curious person? What about the person who says, you know what? Let me just peek. Let me just peek. So for that, the Mishnah says, if you if you don't have sensitivity to Hashem's covet, then it's better that you're not created. In other words, don't even peek. But not, not to peek at a rainbow. It's talking about not to peak in, in Kabbalah. That's what it's talking about. So says the Rambam, <laughs> To quiet the curiosity of someone who wants to investigate divine matters <laughs> with uh, all of his uh, you know, intellectual capability. <laughs> Without the proper introductions. So for that, we say, that if, you don't, if you're not sensitive to Hashem's COVID, it's better that you're not created. So again, what's the Rambam doing? He's taking that line and interpreting it, not like the gemara Chagiga, that it's talking about looking at rainbows and kahanim and whatever. It's talking about it, it's explaining the halacha of the Mishnah, that it's saying, don't even, don't even try it. In other words, don't teach the Kabbalah in public. Uh, and don't even, you know, and, and, and try to hold, you know, and, and, and quiet your curiosity until you're ready for it. So what we what we have over here is the following the following picture. The Bavli, the Gemara Bavli, based on its interpretation of the line of the Mishnah Chagiga, comes up with this halakh, which is that whenever you have something which is presenting the Shekhinah, the, the Divine Presence, you're not allowed to look. And then you have the Rambam. The Rambam who ignores the whole idea, interprets the Mishnah differently, and has the, has the opposite approach. If the Shekhin is, pr- is present, like by the king, Adarav but look. So the problem is, you can't have a Makhlogis Rambam and Gemara. It doesn't, uh, the Rambam doesn't do that. So whenever you have a situation like this, what's the first place to look? If you have a Bavli, and there's really nothing in the Bavli to indicate any Makhlogis, and the Rambam seems to just ignore the Bavli, so what do you look? Rishalmi, look at Rishalmi. and Taki. If you look at Rishalmi, everything the Rambam says is exactly from the Rishalmi. Take a look at Maramakam number eight. Isn't there like concepts that where we're, y- y- certain concepts are spoken negatively, but they're not really also kind of like the fifth highlight? So the so the, the thing is Let's like see, this. The That's pretty bad. bad but if we, if we find of, of, of things that you shouldn't do. Yeah, but even things like that, first of all, the Ramah even quotes that stuff in, in Hilchus Deis. Even things that you shouldn't do, the Ramah quotes in Hilchus Deis as well. Especially when you're talking about a lushan of which, for example, the Gemara uses that same Lushen for a person learning tarish, the Ramah quotes that in Hilchis Talmud or in Hilchas Shuva. So that, whenever that lushan comes in, it's not just like, you know, it's a nice thing. Such a severe... Says you do... Gemara, the, the, the Gemara says that also, but the point is that he doesn't just leave that to the fifth chilek or whatever that, uh, that thing is. Okay, so if you take a look at Maramukah number 8 and 9, these are two yushalmis and it's is literally what the Ramam says. In Maramukah number 8, this is a Yerushalmi in Masech Sajigah. Again, that line of the Mishnah Chagiga, the Bavli interpreted that line to be talking about something else, not looking at rainbows and kayens and, uh, and kings. But the Rambam said, no, 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 that line is explaining, it, it's, it's putting an extra stamp of severity on not teaching Maisel Merkava Barabbim. So he said, "Where did the Ram come? That where is he coming from?" The answer is the Rishami. The Rishami says like this: It says in the Mishnah that you are now allowed to teach Ma'is Merkava even for, to one person. It has to be mamish private. So says the Gemara like this: Rabbi Kiva. The, A little bit of a context of the Rishami. The Rishami explains that there is other sections of Torah like Ma'is Brachis or Halachas of Arayis, where the Mishnah says you are now allowed to teach Barabim, but the Rishami quotes that that was only the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Shmuel held that you can teach a barabim. So says the Yushalmi, What about Ma'is Merkava, which is the highest level of Kabbalah? Is that something that's only when the Mishnah says that you can't teach publicly? Is that only Rabbi Kiva, or is that also, or does Rabbi Shmuel agree with that as well? Says the Yushalmi, No, Divri When it comes to Ma'is Merkava, everyone agrees it shouldn't be touched barabim. In order that a person should develop a sensitivity to be sensitive to Hashem's covet. You see what the Yushalmi just did. Yishami is taking that last line of the Mishnah Chagiga and using it to explain why Ma'isim Rekavi you don't teach in public. Why is Yishami doing that? Because that's Yishami's teaching the Mishnah. The Mishnah is not talking about looking at rainbows. It's coming to explain the halachas of of teaching Kabbalah. That if you teach Kabbalah openly to people that don't have the proper... uh, Proper introductions, that's, that's, that's putting them in a, in, a, in a difficult situation, that's not being sensitive to Hashem's covet. So that, that's where the Rambam is coming from. According to this interpretation of the Yishami, there therefore is no source of there being this idea of things that are reflecting the Shekhinah, not to look at. If anything, the indication is the Yishami doesn't hold of such an idea. And that's why the Mishnah has to be interpreted as an explanation for the previous halachas of the Mishra, of not teaching Kabbal Barabbim, and you see this in the Yishalmi also. Take a look at Maramukah number 9. There's Yishalmi Masechus Megillah. Okay? Perktad <coughs> and in the Yishalmi. Amar Rabbi Yoisa said, We see from here again. Whatever the context is, is not for now. But says Rabbi Yoisa, we see from here. You're not allowed to look at kahanim when they're doing, when they're duchening. Okay, that's that's what we saw. But look at how the Yushalmi explains the reason. Amr Rabbi said, Rabbi Chagoy, isn't it true that the only reason not to look at a client by dochening is only because of Hesachadas issues, of maybe you'll cause the client to be distracted, you'll be distracted? So, so he says, Moshe, I swear, and it's interesting, Lashon, you show me, that you, a Lashon of an oath was by saying the name Moshe. Okay? Maybe we'll see about that. Moshe. Moshe, he says, I will look and I'm not going to have Hesachadas let's think about this for a second. So first of all, the, the, the Yishami now is telling us, also the halach of look, not looking at a kain, but again, not at all the reason of the, Yusha, of the Bavli, of the, the Shekhin of the Divine Presence. The only reason is like exactly what the Ramah said, of what? Of not causing hasachadas. So maybe, but, but, and, and by the way, it's even more than that. Why? What, what's this last line? that rav said the whole issue is as chadash. So I'll, I'll look, and I won't be Das. Why do you have to look? Like no, why do you have to prove a point? We well, are proving a point for it. So have your eyes closed anyway. It's a nice thing to have your eyes closed. Palace over your head. It's a nice, you know, it creates a ruach. What, what, no, I, what 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 is? Why does rav want to look? The answer is he wants to see the shkina. Even though it's not by the times of the bais hamigdash already. But uh, like we know, everything we do may not be with the intensity of Beis HaMikdash, but it's a derivative of that. So the highest level of Shekhinah is certainly by the Beis HaMikdash, But Kahanim nowadays, they don't have that level, but a episode, some level of Shekhinah there is. So Cesar Chagai, no, no, I want to look at the Shekhinah. I, there's a concern of Has I swear by Moshe Rabbeinu, I'll look and I won't be with So, what do you see from this Yushalmi? The, again, the exact opposite of Bavli. That according to the Bavli, whenever there's a, a situation of Ashuras HaShekhinah, you don't look. And that's why the, that's where the Bavli was coming from. And that's where the Bavli explained why you don't look by Kahanim. And that's where the Bavli said you don't look at the Keshes and you don't look at the king. And that's how the, the Gemara and Bavli explained that Mishnah, 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 Mishnah that line. The Yushalmi is Fakir. The Yushalmi says Fakirat. If there's an opportunity to look at the Shechina, you look. I, what does that Mishnah mean? What does that line mean? Uh, something altogether, that's, that's coming to explain the halakh, why you shouldn't teach Kabbalah to people that don't have the, 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 the necessary introductions but, but this, so we, and the Rambam is pascaling like Yushalmi, what comes out of this is a fascinating machlagis, I think which is, when the Shekhinah presents herself, do you davka look or do you davka not look it's Machlagis, Babli Yushalmi Babli says davka not, Yushalmi says davka yes if you if you know if you think about it, this is a little bit re- reminiscent of a, of also Machlaikis in Chazal when <coughs> Moshe by the burning bush. So Moshe says in pasuk when when the, when the the divine presence appeared through that uh, through that experience. So it says in pasuk that Moshe covered his face. So says, in Chazal. Was that a good thing? Was that a bad thing? So some in Chazal, some Tanayim in, in medrash say that in the merit that Moshe covered his face. So he was Zaycha, that by Harsinai, the Divine Presence was shining on him, and everyone else had to, and he had to cover his face, so that others weren't overwhelmed by that. So, on the other hand, there's another opinion in Chazal, that says, as a punishment for not gazing at the Shechina, so when, I, when he asked to see Hashem's face, Hashem said, oh, you had an opportunity then, and now he said, no, now you want it. So, ponet your row. So, it's in Chazal, and it boils down to this, ma'ma is Baal yusham. Now in Phnemias, where is this machlagis coming from? This is this is fundamental, fundamental to understand the difference between Chutzlaritz and Eretz Yisrael. Bavli is Chutzlaritz, Yushami is Eretz Yisrael. The whole inion of of of, of Chutzlaritz is the Bechina of Gaulis. And in Gaulis, there's a certain level of the uh, elokus is not the universe we exist in. The Rabanaslam is sort of like this. I say the words like uh, outside force that comes into our world. You know, there's, there's a certain le- level of of um, discomfort. Uh, it's, you know, we're, we're, we we there's a level of uh, you know in, in Eretz Yisrael, Let's put let's put the positive in Eretz Yisrael, It's natural to for bring with the rebbeim in Eretz Yisrael. There's a certain natural for lack of a better word, for ringability, with the Rabbanu and in Eretz Yisrael, that you have dafka in Eretz Yonan Chutzlaretz. there's a certain... Because, because, because Chutzlaretz is a... The place of Chutzlaretz is a place that's ultimately run by Malachim And it's the place of the Umas So So Elkus in Chutzlaretz is not natural, so to speak. So because it's not natural, whenever Kedusha presents itself... It, 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 it comes with a certain level of hesitation or intimidation and a certain respect. Awe and respect is always an indication of a certain sense of distance. When there's something that I'm in awe of, it means it's not. you're not in awe of yourself, right? You love yourself. You want to connect to yourself. You want to be yourself. You're not afraid of yourself. Awe and fear is always a simon of some level of separation. Chutz there's a bechin of separation between us and the Rabbani Lalam, And therefore, a in Bavli is, you don't look at the king, and you don't look at the rainbow, you don't look at Ghanim. Eretz Yisrael, where the Rabbani is tivi. The Rabbani is natural. So because of that, fakaret, when the Rabbani presents himself, then you look and you gaze. That's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. This is the, this is the side of Europe. This is why, by the way, when... when, when I, so let's go back. We started with, with an observation that when it came to the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, the Rabbanu there was a Hashbah of fearlessness, a hashbah of even comfort between the enemy and Yeshu Benun. Like And, and that shouldn't be like that. Yeshu Benun was an overwhelming power and they saw time and time and time again that they don't stand a chance. There should have been a level of intimidation, but there wasn't. There was just like a certain comfort level. So again, the passage describes where was that comfort, why did Hashem give them that comfort? So in Chizani is to make sure that they'll be destroyed. But like everything in the world, any hashpah that the Rabbani gives into the world <coughs> is ultimately a blessing. And it's ultimately an everlasting blessing. So once the enemy is destroyed, what, re, what remains behind in the soil of Eretz Yisrael is this comfort level, this comfort. You know, in, in other words, let's put it this way. When Yishu is is, is is fighting the war and he's leading the charge of his enemy, what do the, the enemy army see? They see the Shekhinah behind Yishu They see the Shekhinah. But instead of being afraid of the Shekhinah and turning and coiling in fear, they, they charge forward. So in Chitza why is that? To get them to be destroyed. But once they're destroyed, that energy of wanting to be drawn to the Shekhinah, of looking at the Shekhinah and not being repelled by the Shekhinah, that's Mamish Eretz Yisrael adik. According to the and the Raman Paskins, like this Taka, that when the Shekhinah presents herself, you go; you don't run away. You go forward. That's the Raman Paskin. <laughs> now, by the way, this is um, <coughs> we know that the ultimate Tachlis is is for Bavli and Yerushalmi to be united, for Golas and Gula to be united. The ultimate goal is to both be Gilu Brada, to be absolutely comfortable with their Banish but also at the same time to never lose sight of who their Banish is. To always and the reason. I'm saying a lot right now in, in 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 a in a in a quick sentence, but the the, the goal is, you know, when, when there's a certain level of comfort and it's when it's only your then it's sort of the relationship loses its its uh, intensity because it's like you, you know, you've been friends forever. Just bavli, you don't have any real friendship with Rabban Ishlaam. When you put it together, Bavli and Yushalmi, what happens is is that you have a very close friendship with God. But it always remains fresh and new and exciting because you're always cognizant of who it is that you're friends with, and so that's what Gula looks like. The ultimate Gula is not just Yushalmi and not just Bavli. The ultimate Gula is always being, you know, in 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 in, in, in a in a, a loving relationship with the Rabbanim But that loving relationship always becoming renewed and exciting by at this by at the same time being comfortable and remembering and reminding yourself who it is that you're being comfortable with, which is the king of all kings. And that yichud is what Gula looks like. This is why the moment when the brothers come to Yosef at Tzadik, that's the beginning, that's the first appearance of Gula. Gula means all yidin coming together. Ba'achtos, M'sheikh B'Yosef, M'sheikh David, that's Gula. So what's interesting is, at that moment when they saw the king, when they saw Yosef, they both saw him, but didn't see him at the same time, right? So on the one hand they saw him, that's like Yushalmi, but they didn't see him because they didn't know what they were looking at. They didn't know what they were looking at. That was like a Bavli. So Davki, in that episode of meeting Yisroel Tzaddik, the first Jewish king, the first experience of, of, of being in the presence of a Jewish king in all of history, was Makai and both of these sheitas, of Bavli and of They looked, but what they looked, they didn't see. And that's exactly the site of what Gula looks like, to see the king, but not to see the king at the same time, to know and to not know in the rest of the commentary. Okay, we should be to experience, uh, be able to see the face of Pernuch Yisrael. Amen. Amen.